Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball Podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, we're going to be talking all things health, as I am joined by Melissa Brown. Melissa is a registered dietitian, a certified diabetes speaker, as well as a chef and an author. And today, we're going to be talking about her mission of providing innovative health solutions to individuals and corporations. So, Melissa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit of background about yourself? Um, all right. I'll try to keep it brief. Um, let's see. I am a registered dietitian for more than 25 years. I have a private practice. Um, I see patients for a variety of different health reasons um, from diabetes to obesity, gluten-free, heart disease, um, you know, depending on their needs. Um, I've written um, a number of books um, for my, in my own name for gluten-free diets, food allergies, and food intolerances, as well as written books for others on obesity, weight loss, um, as well as heart disease. Um, let's see, I, I see a variety of patients. I do a lot of presentations. I do a lot of workshops. And, um, you know, I'm happy to help in any way that your listeners need. So just talk about what, what made you get into taking your stuff public. I mean, I know you went to school and, you know, you're doing all this stuff, but what made you want to go public and speak and do all the things that you're doing? So I, I guess, um, so, you know, my family, I started off in um, retail. My dad had a store when I was growing up and I worked with the public since I was very young. And, you know, when you're working in a store, even when, when you're a young person and talking to people, you hear a variety of different things, needs and, and problems and things. I first started studying business because I wanted to um, help, you know, with my family business. And, and after a number of years, I realized that I was interested in food and nutrition. Um, I did get my degree in business and then I went back to school because I found that I wanted to help people with nutrition as opposed to just work in the food area. And when I was working in the um, private practice, I also was working with a large food service company, which I provided a lot of presentations to their corporate accounts and in the process of speaking with people, when I found I was helping people, there were certain niches that caught my attention that really needed help in. So the reason like I did gluten-free, for example, it started where there was a lot of um, research to indicate that a lot of people had autoimmune diseases that were undiagnosed because of undiagnosed celiac disease causing it. And I had a patient that was in horrible condition. She came in to me, she had everything wrong with her from her thyroid. Um, she had blood values off. She could barely walk across the room, even though she was on pain medication. She had lost all her hair. She was infertile. And in my research with the celiac disease, I found that in certain cases, all the things that she had could be related to that. And so we um, embarked on getting her diagnosed and treated, and it was celiac disease. 
and her hair grew back and she didn't have to take pain medication anymore. And it was like such a huge amount of things that took place that it was, it felt like I needed to actually, you know, write things about that and research about that and make it easier for people in that situation. And I could say the same type of thing with my people with, that came in with diabetes, people were coming in with diabetes with all kinds of complications. They didn't know they needed to go to an eye doctor. They didn't know they needed to have a foot exam. They didn't know that they needed to match their eating patterns with when their medications was peaking. And all these things were causing them to have complications. And the education piece was all they needed and some motivation to get them where they needed to go. And so I started to bring my work public. And that's how I kind of a, a quick transition of my life. Well, let's jump in and talk about obesity. Tell us about the issues that you have seen and, and your experience to issues of people living with obesity? So, you know, when I first started out as a dietitian, it was about 25% of the people in the, in the country, in the, in the United States were subject to obesity. And now those numbers have climbed almost double of what they were when I first started out. And I find that some of the biggest problems are is that People do need to lose weight, of course, if it's not healthy for them, but we focus too much on it. Somebody could be going to um, their doctor just because they want to get a mole removed and the doctor brings up the obesity. And then they go to another doctor because of that, they're having a trouble with their foot and they bring up the obesity. Everybody's constantly bringing it up so much and making such an issue out of it that people are uncomfortable to talk about it. People are on and off diets. People sneak food. Why? Because other people are making them feel uncomfortable. Imagine um, you're, um, I don't know, a 45-year-old woman, okay, and um, you are 250 pounds, and you've been like not really talking about your weight or anything with your husband because you don't really want him to know that you weigh 250 pounds. And you go to the doctor, you know, because you're having something else gone, and the doctor immediately tells you to get on the scale and says the weight out loud. And then the husband's like, I didn't know you weighed 250 pounds. And then the doctor comes in and all he talks about is weight, 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 weight. And now you've shamed a person into a place where like they feel like they can't eat comfortably in front of the people and they have to sneak their food because other people are going to be judging them. And they don't feel comfortable going to the beach and putting on a bathing suit because other people are going to be looking at them and they don't feel comfortable, you know, participating in um, out, um, act, outdoor activities because they feel other people are watching them and they don't want to go to the gym because they think they're heavier than everybody else at the gym. You start to put things in somebody's head where you make them so uncomfortable. Imagine that same woman, you go to the doctor after that whole conversation and such, and they say, the next time you come in here, I want you to lose, let's say 10 pounds. Okay. But it's Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, and you actually gain five pounds. What do you do about your appointment? Do you go in for your appointment or do you like think to yourself, you know what, let me cancel and wait until I lose that a few pounds because I'm over now. Last time you told me you wanted me to lose 10 pounds. Now I'm 15 pounds higher. I need to wait. And you might even delay and delay until your medications aren't even renewable because you need to go to that doctor, but you're embarrassed about your weight because everybody's been making such a big deal about your weight that it's like a giant, it's like the elephant in the room. Everybody's looking at it and you need to make it so it's easier for people to feel that it's okay sometimes to cheat. And it's okay sometimes to be a little overweight. People have problems with this, but we're here to support you and we're here to help you and we're here to get you to where you want to go. Well, you, you talked about in your bio how family and friends can sabotage your health. Obviously, oh, yeah. they're probably not doing it intentionally, but but talk about what you mean when you say that. 
So, okay, let's talk a little bit about sabotage. So let's say it's, um, let's say it's Christmas dinner and everybody's sitting always um, get to the bowl on the other side. Some of those platters are too big to pass around the table. And so you sometimes have to hand your plate to somebody else to get them to put your turkey or your sweet potatoes or your cranberry sauce, or whatever have you in your plate, because you can't get to that other side. And so let's say you wanted, I don't know, let's say it's there's some macaroni and cheese on the platter and you wanted like two small spoonfuls, nothing, you know, nothing crazy. And everybody's passing their plate by this one, you know, really kind of judgmental, picky family member. And if you pass your plate down over that way and everybody else is getting like nice helping big spoonfuls of macaroni and cheese. And really all you want are two small spoonfuls of macaroni and cheese. And they give you like a teaspoon worth of mac and cheese on it. And you say, you know, hey, listen, could you give me a little bit more? And they're like, you don't really need that do you? So now this is one part of sabotage because now you like you're obsessing because you want more of that. Now, do you get in a family fight with that? Do you do you make a com- comment back to them? Do you sneak macaroni and cheese later? So there's a sabotage there. Here's another sabotage. You're really trying really hard not to eat dessert. Your diabetes numbers are out of control. You're not going to have it. You had what you wanted for dinner. You feel good about it. Maybe you'll take a piece of pie home and have it another day, but you're not going to have it tonight. Somebody's like, Oh, but Kathy, it's, 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 you know, I, it's your favorite. I made you apple pie, you know, apple caramel pie. You know, you love the apple caramel pie. I mean, a little bit of that's not going to hurt you. Why don't you just have a little bit of the apple, you know, just take it. Cause I even want, I made it to take it home with you. So just, can't you just try it? It came out really good this time. So then you didn't want that pie, but you take that pie because you feel like you're like kind of pushed into having that pie. And then she wants you to take it home with you. And here you're having difficulty. You're trying to lose weight. You're trying to get your diabetes under control. And now you go home with a whole pie plus. So you can get sabotaged because somebody shames you and you can get sabotaged because somebody that even though you're trying to do the right thing is pushed food pushing. And it could even go to the same thing that if you have diabetes, you know, most of the sugar-free diabetes products are disgusting. And some of them, they don't taste good for desserts. But some of, the, some of the regular desserts have the same amount of carbohydrate as the diabetic desserts. And so all you really wanted was Aunt May's apple crumb, you know, strudel. That's what you wanted today. And um, you're going to have a little piece of that. But somebody bought you a diabetic cake and they're pushing that diabetic cake on. Come on, you got to have the cake. You got to have, you know, it's delicious. I made it for you. Take it home. It's sugar-free. And meanwhile, it doesn't even taste good. It has the same amount of carbs as the strudel. And, and now you're ending up eating something you don't like. So you can get sabotaged from either somebody shaming you, um, somebody say, you know, trying to like, you know, say it's okay for you, or somebody actually getting you something that you really don't want to have that you feel obligated to eat. So those are some of the sabotage. There's, there's so many others, but people can um, interfere, um, you know, sabotage. And even the same thing about judging a weight. Like if you're uncomfortable, if somebody's constantly telling you how heavy you are, how heavy you are, and you're at, like we mentioned earlier, the beach, okay, or a pool, and you want to go and all you want to do is swim. If that person's there, you might not feel comfortable enough to do that because you know they're looking at you. So the sabotage can go in all different levels. Yeah, you ever tried diabetic cheesecake? That is nasty, and I love cheesecake. <laughs> so so let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about ways that we can prevent and treat diabetes since you mentioned that so uh, you know as you know there there are different types of diabetes so there are certain types of 
diabetes that you can get because you have a disease that causes it to take place. Um, there are types of diabetes like type one diabetes where somebody has some sort of an autoimmune attack in their pancreas and that kills the ability to make insulin. And that's not something that you can prevent because of the fact that you don't have any control over that. And then there's type two diabetes, which is um, a, an insulin resistant response. And this is something that there are predisposed to because of things like um, your family history, um, your ethnic background, your um, um, as far as your own personal weight and activity levels, there are things that predispose you to it. And there are a lot of things that you can do to help reduce that risk, even though everybody in your mother's side has diabetes, everybody in your father's side has diabetes, um, you know, and this is something that's almost like everybody feels is inevitable. There are things you can do to reduce that risk. So one of the things is exercise. People um, don't realize you don't have to go to the gym to exercise. You don't have to work out like a maniac or be a weightlifter. But if you're just um, moving your body more every day, at least like a half an hour a day, plus a little additional activity every day, just regular physical activity on a regular, in a, a daily basis can dramatically reduce your risk of that insulin resistant and going toward this type two diabetes. Um, eating smaller meals and spreading them out throughout the day. So you're not overtaxing your body at one time is also very valuable. Um, People will say, oh, well, they're, they're, they're doing a fasting thing or they're not eating any carbs at all. Or you don't need to eliminate food groups. You just need to be aware of the portions amount that you're having. So if I was going to have, let's say, um, pasta for dinner tonight, um, I could have a whole plate full of regular pasta. Okay. And that's going to have a huge amount of carbohydrates, or I could take that pasta and mix it with, let's say um, broccoli, a lot of broccoli. And now it's like half the pasta in my plate. So now I've reduced the carbohydrates and then I can increase the fiber by choosing a chickpea pasta or a whole wheat pasta or a multigrain pasta or another bean pasta, which fiber is um, the indigestible part of um, a plant. So now I've reduced the amount of carbohydrate I'm going to absorb. So I'm still having pasta, but I changed the type of pasta and I put vegetable in my pasta. And so now I have a smaller amount of a higher fiber pasta. Maybe I put some chicken or shrimp or something in there also further diluting the plate that I'm having. So you eat more frequently, you're more um, self-aware, you try to make choices that include more fiber and more produce as opposed to more of the starchy or fruity things. Some people don't realize that fruit has as much sugar as the pasta or the breads and, and they'll go out and they'll have fruit smoothies and things like that. And those, those simple sugars, because it's concentrated, because you took, you're really just having the juice piece of it, which is the sugar part. Those simple sugars and high amounts give you a huge rush of sugar into your system and makes your body secrete insulin, which leads to more insulin resistance. So um, more, more exercise, smaller meals throughout the day. Um, be aware of the amount of carbohydrates you're having and dilute it with fiber and vegetables and such. Um, consider, um, you know, changing things up. Don't eat the same foods every day. So that this way you might be able to get all the nutrients that you need into your body. And one of the things a lot of people don't do is they do not drink enough water and water is part of your blood volume. And when you don't drink a lot of water, everything becomes more concentrated. Your sugar becomes more concentrated. Your cholesterol becomes more concentrated. And so therefore, if you're not drinking enough water, all your body systems have to work harder and also your blood sugars will increase. So, so fluids, exercise, fiber, small, frequent meals, be aware of your carbohydrate intake. 
those are the most important things I'd say is, you know, without, you know, having somebody personally in front of you and trying to take a look at everything that's going on in their particular life. We'll talk about some of the problems that people with diabetes face that, that you've seen. So, I mean, it's, it's multi, it's multi problematic. Um, you know, obviously there's a fear involved with diabetes because there can be complications if you don't get it under control and um, you know, there's a higher risk of heart disease and, and I don't want to get into the particular complications because I'm not trying to put a negative spin on it. Those things are preventable. If you keep your glucose or your blood sugar in good control and your average blood sugar, which they check every three months, which is your A1C, um, if you keep that in good control, somewhere between six and seven or less than six to, to seven, um, the likelihood of complications are dramatically reduced. And so my feeling would be to promote that as far as, um, you know, to, to keep people from being upset about those types of things. But some of the problems that they take is, is that the mismanagement of medications, they may not realize if somebody tells them to take their medication twice a day, they don't, maybe that medicine needs to be taken at bedtime, not at dinner. And their blood sugar could drop in the middle of the night because they took it at the wrong time because they needed to take it at bedtime because it was going to kick in for the morning or they don't take it with food when they needed to take it with food. And so they get stomach problems or they didn't know the side effects of the different types of meds they're taking. I mean, some medications can cause more urinary tract infections. Some medications can cause low blood sugar. I would say the biggest problem for most of the people that have diabetes is um, low blood sugar because of um, not having enough carbohydrates at the times that they need it because of when the medications are kicking in. So I would say what that's one of the biggest problems that takes place. Well, let's talk about gluten-free diets. You know, people always say, Hey, it's a good thing to have gluten-free, but you know, why do people have celiac disease and other issues, even though they're eating gluten-free? So, so there's several different things that come from gluten. So gluten is a protein that's found in wheat, rye, and barley. And if we were just doing things the old fashioned way and using just fresh, fresh products, when we made the food, it'd be easy to identify it. But because there's so many different derivatives and additives in the way that they process foods nowadays, that you could have something that could be like a piece of chicken that you bought that was marinated that could have gluten in it, or um, it could be gluten added to a beverage that you're having that you didn't realize. So it's for the people that have to be gluten-free, it's difficult sometimes to identify if gluten is lurking. And there's a big difference between those that have celiac disease and those that are gluten sensitive. Um, people that have celiac disease have an autoimmune disease that makes it impossible for them to digest the protein gluten. And when every time they have gluten, even the smallest amount, it could be as little as a crumb, they have an autoimmune attack that takes place in their body. And so it can cause other autoimmune diseases to act up. And it also can cause nutritional deficiencies, like vitamin, especially the fat-soluble vitamins, like vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E. Um, often people with celiac disease will have anemia, or they, they might be suffering from osteoporosis or osteopenia due to the malabsorption issues. Some people will have extreme symptoms when they eat the gluten, like they'll get violently ill and others won't feel anything, but that autoimmune attack is taking place. So people that have celiac disease need to be hundred percent gluten-free and people around them need to make it easier for them to do that because it is 
impossible to just look at a food to see if it has gluten in it or not. So if you go into somebody else's house, you know, people need to be more transparent and more careful about what they're putting in their food. So a person knows what they can eat. People that are gluten sensitive will have um, some sort of a physical response to having gluten in their diet. And some will get violently ill and some won't, but it's not, it's not necessarily known at this point to be an autoimmune problem. So people that are gluten sensitive, some can have a small amount and not get sick and some can't have any. It's depending on their particular tolerance, but they're different than the people that have celiac disease. And so you might see somebody that says that they don't eat gluten, eating a little bit of gluten and thinking, oh, well, they can have gluten then. But the celiac person can't have any, you can't even fry the French fries in the same oil that you put something in. They can't use the mayonnaise that somebody double dipped in with their bread. So, so the celiac and the gluten sensitive are, are different scopes about how careful you need to be with the gluten-free. And then there are other people that have different types of gastrointestinal problems that may not be able to tolerate much gluten because gluten is hard to digest because it's a large protein. So somebody with um, Crohn's disease or colitis or somebody with irritable bowel disease may want to have low or no gluten in their diet. And then there's those people that are doing it for a fad. So you could see there's a lot of different reasons it's out there and it might confuse other people because a person with celiac says, no, 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 I can't have any. And somebody else is saying, oh, I can have a little bit. And then everybody's like, well, how come that person with the celiac can't just, you know, suck it up for the holidays? And the point, the truth of the matter is, is that they can't. And so that's where a lot of the problems take place. Well, give those who need to eat gluten-free some tips on making it easier on themselves. So, so it's making it easier on yourself and having others make it easier on you. So you obviously want to have um, people that you go out with, whether it's your friends going out to eat or family members to understand the seriousness of the disorder so that they don't um, minimize it. Like let's say making a restaurant suggestion. So if we're going to be going out to eat and my friends don't understand that I absolutely have to be gluten-free, they might be, Oh, I really wanted to go to Mario's. It's not, you know, Joe's pasta. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, Mario's might have a full gluten-free menu and they're very careful where the other place might have some gluten-free options that a friend looked up, but they're not careful. So you need to explain to the friends just because a restaurant will say that they're going to do gluten-free. There are certain places that will do a better job so that I will feel comfortable when I go out to eat. And there are gluten intolerance um, support groups throughout the country. Um, like, so the gluten intolerance group um, of North America, there's, there's a gluten intolerance group of Long Island in different areas they are. And if you actually went on the website of the gluten intolerance group in North America, you would actually see the different practice groups and you could, you could contact them and say, what are some of the better choices for gluten-free restaurants in this area? Like in Long Island, they have a, um, a Facebook group where there's, um, they're all gluten-free. And so they send tips. Does anybody know where to get good, you know, Italian food? Does anybody know where to get good, um, seafood. There are apps that you can download to your phone where they'll find gluten-free restaurants in your area. But of course, um, you still need to check those restaurants yourself because just because somebody said the restaurant's gluten-free, you don't know if they're careful. So I would tell people in general, if they find out that they're going to go out to eat and they know where they're going to go and they think it might be okay to call during non-busy times to ask to speak to the manager 
and ask them what they have that's gluten-free and how they can be careful with it. And if they seem like really receptive and helpful, and they tell you what they've done in the past for other people, you could feel more comfortable than if it sounds like they're calling into the kitchen. Hey, Sammy, do we do gluten something? Or, you know, you want to make sure it seems like they know what they're talking about. And then I certainly would ask that manager, um, hey, are you going to be working on Saturday night when I come with my friends? Can I ask for you if I come in so that you can help me with my food? Because when a waitress walks it into the kitchen, sometimes the chefs don't necessarily listen as well as when the manager does. Um, if I'm going to be going to a family member's um, house, um, you know, if if I know them, you know, I'm comfortable with them as like a family of mine, you know, like not my, let's say not my husband's family. Or I know my husband's family really well, but some people don't. But if it's a family member that you have a relationship with, reach out to them, say, listen, I'm on a special diet. Could you tell me what you're making so I could see if what I need to bring? Um, you know, and if they say, well, I'm making this and that, and you'll say, well, um, hey, listen, I hear you're making, um, you know, turkey. Um, could you just make sure that the chicken broth, if you're going to add it, is gluten-free? These are some of the brands that are gluten-free. Or um, if I brought over gluten-free breadcrumbs, would you be able to use that when you make the baked clams? And when you make, you know, like you could actually ask them to help you in that. If I don't feel that I can talk with them or you don't feel you could talk with them, then at least bring a few things like to make it easier for yourself, like bring an appetizer, bring something that complements the entree. That is something that you could eat as a meal if you have to and bring um, a dessert, bring labels that say gluten-free on it and put it next to it because some people will take the spoon or the fork or the something from another food item and stick it right in the food item that you have carefully prepared gluten-free. So I might bring, let's say, gluten-free ziti for me to eat. And somebody else is, um, you know, getting regular um, um, lasagna from another tray. And they're, they're anxious because somebody else has the spoon and they take the spoon from the ziti and stick it in the regular lasagna and then stick it back in again. And now they've contaminated the food that I'm going to have. The same thing with dips and crackers. Like if there's gluten-free crackers and regular crackers right next to the dip, even if there's a spoon there, people sometimes will stick their own, um, you know, crackers right in there. So if it's possible to take a little bit of everything and put it on the side so that you don't feel for the double dipping, if somebody does double dip with a spoon on one side, take it from the side nobody ever went into yet, <laughs> you know, like to make it safer for yourself. Um, and I said, like, make sure you bring things for yourself, make sure you label them. If, and when they set up the dessert table, make sure you put your dessert behind the other desserts on the table, not in the front, because people break cookies and cupcakes and things over the top when they try to take things and the crumbs could fall into your food. And by labeling it, labeling it gluten-free, a help, helpful family member um, might, won't take the regular brownies and put them on the same tree, tray as your gluten-free brownies because you have the sign that says gluten-free, so they won't cross-contaminate it. So those are just some of the things to think about. Well, you also teach corporate wellness. So tell us uh, about some of the do's and don'ts of corporate wellness programs. So I would say as far as if somebody has a corporation and they're thinking about having a corporate you know, program for wellness for their employees, the most important thing to think about is it's not a one size fits all approach. So what might be a good wellness program for one company might not be a good one for another company. And so you really need to understand what the needs of your particular population are. And if you're going to run a program and there's a couple of people that are at a higher level 
that are um, difficult to work with personality wise with the other people don't have them actively involved in the program because people that are uh, intimidated and bullied by somebody within the company are not going to feel comfortable enough to share or be honest about the problems that or or the successes that they're having with the wellness program because there's a person there that is always a problem and you know those people you you work in an organization most companies know there's a couple of people that they have that are problem people that make it difficult for the others um, so let me just give an example. So let's say I was going to do a corporate wellness program for um, school bus drivers. Okay. Well, what are the problems that school bus drivers have? I mean, they go into work in the morning and then they have a break and then they come back again and then they have a break and then they come back again. Well, some of the problems that they have in, 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 is one of the things the bathrooms, they don't want to drink water because of the fact that most of the schools now don't let the bus drivers go inside to use the bathrooms. And it's not easy to park a bus anywhere you want to just go run in to use like a McDonald's bathroom or something like that. And so because of the fact that bathrooms are not readily available, whether it's because they, um, they have to go because if they eat something in the morning, it makes them go and they don't want to have to be out and not have a bathroom or because they're afraid to drink. They may skip meals. They may not drink. They may not drink their water. They may, and they may put themselves at risk. They may not even take their medication because they're worried about a low blood sugar. And they're afraid to tell you that they're having a problem with their medication because of the fact that they think that you might get penalized them for the job. So you need to have a wellness program that's not judgmental on them for the job is more so to help them with the job in a situation like that, where they're going to problem solve the problem for each person as opposed to report the personal things that people share. You need to have it so that it's anonymous so that people will feel on uh, in certain ways of reporting information that they can, they can pass it on. So that people don't feel that others are watching them at all times and that they don't feel like they could tell the truth. You need to make it. So if there's a bathroom issue about how you're going to resolve that bathroom issue is where is it going to be that they can go if they need to use a bathroom that they'll be allowed to go in and use a bathroom so that they'll be comfortable enough to drink the water, have their medications and eat their meals. And so that a corporate wellness program for those groups might be addressing that we're in another company where it's all, high stress, go, 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 go. And they don't have a chance to practically breathe all day, then it might be that there should be um, stress reduction programs, um, personal time during the day that people are allowed to take um, a place that they can go and do light exercising or stretching um, water available, like in a cooler or things like that. Maybe meals brought in on that are healthy on long, um, you know, on, on, you know, like super like work days where you can't go and get food out. You know, it's not easy for you to just go and get your food. And so that might be food that's brought in like fresh fruit and some sandwiches and salads and things that they could have during the day so they could eat. So you might do a different program. Another company, it might be like a competitive thing where everybody is um, doing some sort of a thing where they get points for and then they win prizes because they like to do that and they're a fun company and they enjoy doing things like that. So the program that's picked has to meet the needs of your population. Otherwise, no matter what you do, it's not going to provide good results. Well, you know, a lot of people feel like, well, I'm, I'm going to eat natural foods because I want to be more healthy, but, but is that really healthy and safe, you know, eating natural? But what's, you see, what's natural, you know, what would you mean like organic or natural fresh fruits and vegetables or natural? I'm just going to eat vegetarian products. I would say either one, but because people have different, different definitions of natural. Well, I'm going to be a vegan or I'm not going to eat meat or I'm going to only eat vegetables. So 
the thing when it comes to natural, obviously fresh food that is grown in a healthy environment that is um, planted in soil that has been treated well so that the most nutrients are coming out of are the best way that people can eat. When people restrict or choose a diet that's excluding food groups for whatever reason, and they're excluding food groups that are healthy for them, even though it seems like it's natural, it could be bad. So let's say, for example, that I want to be a vegan, which is fine. A person that doesn't eat any animal products at all, no eggs, no cheese, no, you know, none of that. They only eat plant-based foods. But what if I'm somebody that doesn't like beans? Well, one of the main sources of protein in a vegan diet are beans and, and tofu and soy products, and then some nuts. But if I'm somebody that doesn't eat any beans and I decide to go vegan, now I'm gonna be protein malnourished. So if you're going to follow a specific dietary plan, it has to meet the needs of your particular body, what your health problems are, what your history is, what your likes and dislikes are. And if it turns out that you can't follow it because of something that you need to take care of, you're going to end up with problems later on because you decided to exclude foods. I have somebody like that right now. She would like to be vegan and she can't tolerate beans. And, you know, every time I'm looking at her meal plan, there's not enough protein in it. And, I'm, and basically she's not going to be able because she doesn't like um, soy products and she doesn't eat beans. She's not going to be able to sustain herself on a vegan diet, but, a, but a whole foods plant-based diet or a vegan diet can be healthy as long as you're including enough of each of the food groups. What if you're not getting enough calcium? What if you're not getting enough B vitamins? So somebody that is educated, like a registered dietitian in this area should at least sit down with you. If you're looking at excluding certain food groups to make sure that you're meeting your needs. Tell us about your books, you know, tell us kind of brief description of them and where people can get them. So if, if you Google me on Amazon, Marlisa Brown, um, you'll see, you know, a, a bunch of the different books that I've written. Um, I've originally was writing books in my name that were gluten-free and food allergy and low FODMAP related. So these are for people that excluded those particular groups. Now I've been writing more books about um, life balance. I mean, I have one book, it actually has a racy title, but it's not really racy. It says, it's called Get It the F Together. And then it says fitness, family, fun, and finance. So it was all about getting balance. And I'm actually going to do a revision on that book and introduce it in January. And so, um, you know, that's not, that would be, it might, might be the end of January, more like February, but it's going to be like in the, um, in the winter, I'm reintroducing it with some really good good tips on goal setting, on um, finding direction, on pivoting to the right or to the left, if you need to, on finding your safe space, lots of things that people are goal setting, you know, lots of things that people are having difficulty achieving. So that will be, um, you know, coming out of um, the new version of it in the winter. And then I have um, four different gluten-free books. And then I have another book that's coming up, but I can't tell you the title about, but it is going to be about um, if you're overweight, if you within and then you became overweight, like some of the difficulties in living with it and solutions and, and actually, you know, ways of dealing with the changes that have taken place in your body to find a new place to be and to get yourself in a better um, future. Well, besides that book, do you have any other upcoming projects that people need to know about? Well, so on, um, on Teachable, which is a, um, which is like a remote access point, I'm going to be developing online product. So it's going to have like webinar 
webinars with handouts and worksheets and, and such. And I'll be developing product on, on for diabetes, for living with diabetes, as well as for obesity and people also that are having difficulties um, with gastrointestinal um, problems like um, IB irritable bowel. So um, I will be having those products. I will probably be promoting them on my websites. So I have um, um, Tia's and Tom Wellness net. I have marlisaspeaks.com. Um, I have glutenfreeeasy.com. So when I actually put those products out, I also have Facebook pages, Dieting Dietitian. So when I put these products out, I will be promoting it in those areas. So people that are following me, even if it's on LinkedIn anyway, they'll be able to, to see the new products as they come out. And so I'm going to build on them as I go. And I might even develop an off um, participation that we get. Well, you just answered the question about giving out your contact information. So, <laughs> so can you give Sorry. us a, Oh, no, no problem. That, that's good. Cause we want, want people to be able to connect with you to learn all things health. Go ahead and uh, give us some final thoughts to close it out and, anything that you might want to talk about that I might've missed. So I just, I just want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, setting goals and why people fail on it since it's the end of the year and new year's resolutions and things come out. And a lot of people will come to me and say, you know, I just know what I'm supposed to do. I just can't do it. Or they'll call themselves lazy or they'll pick on themselves in some way. And when I was writing the book, um, get at the F together, I, I, I what I did was this, I tried to, to promote the fact that the reason that most people don't get to things and don't stick with them isn't because they don't have the desire. It doesn't mean that they're lazy. It doesn't mean that they don't want to do it. What it is is they've underestimated the way they spend their time every day. So if we actually took a paper and like logged all our time every day for a number of days in a row, you may find that there isn't a lot of places that you could trim off of that would give you the time to achieve the goals that you pick for yourself. So, it could be anything. It could be you want to lose 50 pounds and you want to exercise every day and you want to cook more fresh foods and you want to go to the movies once a week with your spouse. You know, like you have a couple of little things, but then what you didn't do was like evaluate your time and figure out where you could trim back. It's sort of like budgeting. Like if you don't have enough money to pay your bills and you try to figure out what you could cut back on that, you could figure out where you have that extra money coming in to cover the bills that you need. It's the same thing when it comes to your time. And, if you don't sit down and evaluate how you're spending it and figure out where you could trim it a little, no matter what goals you pick, you may not have allowed yourself enough time to do them. And so you'll be good for like a week or two and fall off the grid because you'll end up back in your daily routine. And I find that there are like four different things that, that, that people have that take place that, every day. So one of it is the, um, the daily distractions. And those are things that you have like no control about, you know, like things that just come up that people will come in and interrupt you in some way that distract you. And then you don't, you don't account for that time. And then there's the autopilot where you do things in a certain, you know, habitual way that takes up time that you don't realize that you're spending time that way. So it's like, um, I just, even the way I might set up my desk or move things around, I'm just doing things that are wasting time that I I don't account for. And then of course, there's, there's the types of interruptions that you don't have any control over at all. It's, it's like, you, you know, you're driving on the road and you get a blowout on your, your tire. So you have the, you have the daily distractions, you have the blowout on your tire, and then you have the social media where 
years ago when they didn't have cell phones and Facebook and, you know, Instagram and, you know, alerts and, you know, all these different things happening at the same time, you don't account for that time. And so we end up not having time. My, my grandma used to have, used to do everything every day, even hand press the clothes. And she used to like, take care of everything, cook the meals for my grandfather and walk to the store with the little cart. And she got everything done. At the end of the day, she still had time to sit out on the porch and talk to the neighbors, you know, with her pantyhose rolled down to her ankles and sit there and just talk to people. And yet most of us don't even have the chance to even speak to people for a few minutes in between because we're running, 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 running. And that's because of the fact that we're not aware of how we're spending time. So be more aware of how you're spending your time. If you pick goals, make sure you pick goals that you'll be able to manage. So if I wanted to lose 50 pounds, let's say that I say that I want to lose 10 pounds first. And then the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to start by, I don't know, doing 10 minutes of exercise twice a day and, and not eating out this many times a week to make it realistic for yourself and see where you can trim up the time for yourself. And you'll be better prepared to meet your goals, or at least a few of them for next year, instead of writing the same goals down year after year. So that would be my tip for this time of year. Ladies and gentlemen, be sure you check her out for all things health. Also be sure to follow, rate, review, share this episode, especially to your friends that want to eat healthy and be healthy coming up in the new year. And Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. Marlisa, I'm sure you're cooking some good food over there, and I'd like to take the time to thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.